If you're new here, uh, as a church, we're going through a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and we're looking at the various symbols used in the Bible to describe the Holy Spirit, because, well, the Holy Spirit is a little bit hard to understand at times. And today, we are going to be looking at the Holy Spirit as the wind. And so, if you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? If you have your Bibles, there are ones in front of you. Let me encourage you to use those. Uh, John chapter 3. Let me read. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it is going, where it comes from, sorry, or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence that is is with us because we know that when we gather under your name that you are here in a special way. And so we thank you and uh, we invite you um, here. Holy Spirit, come help us to see you, to hear you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Love is Blind is a reality show on Netflix about 15 men and 15 women who are uh, looking for love. They want to find a real, genuine connection but they've realized that uh, the world and their own fixation on physical attraction has gotten in their way. And so for 10 days, they lock themselves up uh, in a remote building, and they date each other in these rooms called pods. They can talk to each other, but they can't see each other. And at the end of these 10 days, the couples that form have to decide if love is truly blind and get engaged, sight unseen. Now, despite how ridiculous you may think this show is, or any reality television for that matter, something profound is said in the show almost every time. And it's that the couples who end up together, reflect and acknowledge that they would never consider the person that they are with had they met 
on an app, or even in person. And although most don't get engaged, I think this show shows something about the human condition. And it's this, that we all have a vision of love, of life, of flourishing. And sometimes that vision gets in our way. Whether it's what we want in a partner, what we want for our children, what we want for our work, our career, our lives, sometimes those things get in the way of what we truly need. In other words, we all have blind spots. We all get tunnel vision. And our vision for life, our plans for it, as good as they are, are simply not enough. In our text today, we meet a man with a vision, a biblical vision, and recognizes that his plan is not perfect, that he is not perfect, and his name is Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, as we read, he's a Pharisee, as we read, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and a little later on, we didn't read it, we see that Jesus acknowledges him as not just a teacher of the law, but the teacher of the law, the teacher of Israel. I think that title is a big deal. When it comes to flourishing, when it comes to following God, this guy has a biblical plan and he follows it to a T. And we read that he comes to Jesus at night. And from the story here, we see that he seems to be genuinely curious about Jesus. He doesn't show up in the daytime, challenge him, try to embarrass him or, or, or stump him. He seems to genuinely want to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with Jesus. And so, so far, we see that Jesus is faithful, he's intelligent, and he's also a really humble guy. So let's look at their conversation now, knowing this. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Confused, Nicodemus then asks, how can a person, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their, into their mother's womb to be born. Now let's pause for a second. In the original language of the New Testament, that is Greek, the term or the word for again, as in born again, is the word anothen. This word, anothen, means again, but it can also mean above. When Nicodemus hears that in order to see, the, see and enter the kingdom of God, you need to be born anothen, Nicodemus thinks that Jesus means again, not above. In other words, Nicodemus thinks he just needs to go back in time, correct a few mistakes, 
and then everything will be good and he can enter the kingdom of God. He's like, I know I'm not perfect, okay, Jesus, I I know that. I haven't made all the best choices in life uh, and I regret them. But if I could go back in time, I would do things differently. So tell me, Jesus, how? How can I be born again? How can I get my hands on a DeLorean and 1.21 gigawatts and do things differently? And so Jesus answers. He clarifies. Very truly I tell you, he says again, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born a nothing. In other words, Nicodemus, when I say a nothing, I don't mean again. I mean above. And when I mean above, I mean by the Spirit. No matter how much we try, no matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think like a monk, build atomic habits, listen to our bodies, follow the 12 rules for life or the 48 laws of power, no matter how much we subtly not give a, you know, and even dare greatly, we cannot in our own strength, in our own flesh, according to Jesus, manifest, manufacture the kingdom of God in our own life. Now, That isn't to say that these things are bad or not helpful. There are clear commandments in scripture to help us live well, to help us make good decisions. But doing all of those things, like Nicodemus, only goes so far without the spirit. Ultimately, it is the spirit of God that brings the peace of God, the joy of God, the life of God. Ultimately, it's the spirit of God that ushers us into the kingdom of God. Now, I, Jesus, has some good news and some bad news. Let me start with the good news. The good news is, is that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Jesus goes on and says, the wind blows wherever it will, and you hear the sound it makes, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Uh, A bunch of years ago, my friend's wife organized a surprise party for him in light of a milestone in his career. So we gathered together at the restaurant. We weren't planning on on jumping out. We just came early and got ready for him. However, when he and his wife arrived and saw us, he told us later that he was immediately filled with anger. You see, he thought that we gathered together without him and that we didn't invite him. (laughs) But soon as his wife led him through the restaurant, 
sat him in his chair, and explained to him what was actually going on. He was the happiest guy on earth. (laughs) Now, there are bad surprises, like when your friends eat without you. And then there are good surprises, like when your friends are waiting to eat for you. And when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is like the wind, and we don't know where it is going, aside from the kingdom of God, Jesus is telling us, telling Nicodemus, that the Spirit will surprise us in good ways. When we call something a breath of fresh air, we are saying like it's a wind on a hot day, a wind in in a stuffy room. It's unexpected, refreshing, life-giving. The word spirit in Hebrew and in Greek, rock and pneuma, both actually mean wind. The Holy Spirit is literally and metaphorically a breath of fresh air. We might not know where the spirit comes from or where it is going, but we know that it's ultimately leading us to God's kingdom and to flourishing. In other words, the spirit from time to time wants to throw us a surprise party. Now, of course, let me say this part too. Having plans and having them come to fruition are good things. They're not bad things. And I think we are encouraged to make plans. However, wouldn't life just seem a little incomplete if everything went according to plan. And wouldn't it be a little stressful, if not a lot, if our future, our flourishing, rested solely on our shoulders? Wouldn't it be so much better if there was a God who made us, who knows us, and who loves us infinitely more than we could imagine, guiding us into surprise parties. If the Holy Spirit is like the wind that unexpectedly leads us into new and exciting places and experiences, then is it possible that a metaphor for our lives can be ships, uh, specifically sailboats, sailships, sail, sailboats? If you're anything like me, though, ships, especially sailboats, are not an easy metaphor to grasp. Number one, the Titanic. Number two, Vikings. Number three, the pirates that took over Tom Hanks' ship, not the pirates of the Caribbean type. Four, the ocean is really big. Five, the likelihood of disaster and death is, is quite high, at, at least for me. And six, I would just prefer to fly. In our fully mapped out and giant world, it can be hard to think of the Holy Spirit as the wind and our lives as ships, as good things. We, I, 
much rather prefer the Holy Spirit to be Google Maps, uh, or better yet, an autonomous Tesla that I just set my destination and it takes me to the, the best and quickest route. However, what if sailing into God's kingdom by the Spirit is not like sailing in this world? I used to read a Japanese uh, manga comic in English called One Piece. It's about a group, group of misfit pirates, uh, friends, seeking buried treasure and new experiences. Now, in this world, it's not so much giant continents and then giant oceans, but rather ocean and lots of islands all over the place. And throughout the story, they go from island to island, uh, discovering new things, new treasures, new people, and, and, and gaining new and good experiences. What if sailing in the spirit is less like sailing in our world and more like sailing in that world? where the kingdom of God can be found not just in Hawaii, the Caribbean, Southeast Asia, and the Maldives, but everywhere. No offense to everywhere else in the world, right? Where if we let the wind of God carry us in an unknown direction to an unknown destination, we can actually be confident that we are going to get to a good place, that we are going to find land. Uh, King David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. The scriptures, God uh, promises that when we listen to the Spirit and are led by the Spirit, God is with us and the Spirit is leading us to good places, that the Spirit leads us to land, and not just any land, but land with green pastures and still waters, land flowing with milk and honey, land where we can be, take rest, be refreshed, nourished, and even flourish. However, I did tell you that there is some bad news, and here it is. The spirit is like the wind. The wind blows wherever it will, and you hear the sound it makes, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Grace Jisun Kim, uh, a Korean-American theologian and professor of the Earlham School of Religion, says this, as the wind blows freely, we must recognize that while we are inclined to control all elements in our environment, we can never attain authority over the wind. We cannot direct it in one way or another. It cannot be moved as it has a mind of its own. In the same way, the spirit as wind moves as it wishes, 
unable to be tamed and fully understood. If Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus today and in Vancouver, I think Jesus would say that the spirit was much more like the rain. We don't know if it's coming tomorrow or if it's coming tonight or next week. Uh, We can't tell it when to start. And we most definitely can't tell it when to stop. This last Thursday was May 4th. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with that, it is a special day for Star Wars fans. Uh, May the 4th be with you. And for the first time ever, I'm I'm not really a fan, uh, I happened to watch one of the movies, episode 5. And this is the part in the story where Luke gets trained by Yoda. And Yoda is training Luke how to use the spirit. And it's was quite incredible how much the force was like is like the spirit. Yoda t- tells Luke that he can't control it, that he can't force the force, that he has to partner with the force, that the force is alive just like the spirit. We can't charge the spirit. We can't command the spirit. We can't control uh, the spirit. We can't, you know, dragon ball, charge it, and, and then send it out. All we can do, like in sailing, is to be open and ready for it. We have to metaphorically live with our sails open to the wind of God. If there's one thing, one thing to remember of everything I've said, it's, it'll, it's this. That if you want to sail into the kingdom of God, you have to surrender to the spirit of God. Let me say that again. If you want to sail into the kingdom of God, you have to surrender to the spirit, the wind of God. So, what does it mean to surrender to the spirit? If we take a look at our last verse, verse eight, we get a hint. Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. If we look into the Greek one more time, the word for sound, or the term sound of the wind, is a play on words. Uh, The word sound can also mean voice. And so we can interpret John to be saying, the spirit speaks whenever it will, and you hear its voice, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. And what we see is that surrendering to the spirit, sailing in the spirit, 
involves hearing, involves listening to God. We live in a world of messages and consequently distraction. We are constantly being bombarded with not just message after message, but messages after messages. On the TV, on our phones, our computers, on the bus, on the highway, anywhere and everywhere, there are messages vying for our attention, telling us what to want, what to love, and ultimately what to give our time and energy and money to. And then there are the literal messages that we get throughout the day from coworkers, from friends, from family, and especially that one person, that annoying person you can't ignore who always speaks at all the wrong times. It's ourselves. Not, not someone else. <laughs> now, I'm not sure, I, th- I think it's obvious, but I don't think we've, or at least I, have fully comprehended it. And it's this. In order to hear the Spirit, we have to be able to hear the Spirit. The only way that we can hear the Spirit of God is by softening or even silencing all those other voices around us, all those other competing voices. And so, we have to learn to be still. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. In reflection of this verse, Ruth Haley Barton, Dr. Ruth Haley Barton, says Psalm 46, 10, tells us there is a kind of knowing that comes in silence and not in words. But first, we must be still. The Hebrew word translated be still literally means let go of your grip. If we want to have the wind of God, the spirit of God carry us, the first thing that we have to do is stop rowing. The first thing that we have to do is let go of our oars, our paddles, and put up our sails and surrender to the spirit, the voice of the spirit, and let our lives simply sail. But what does it mean to let go of our oars? What does it mean to be still in the spirit? Let me suggest three things, though not exhaustive. For some of us, it needs to be decreasing our distractions. That's right, the time we spend on our phones and other electronics. But it can also mean the amount of music we listen to or the podcasts we listen to. Sometimes we just need the sound of silence. For others of us, it could be meeting regularly with a trained spiritual director. Uh, That's something that's been very life-giving for me. 
somehow, some way, when I meet with him in the name of Jesus, the Spirit speaks. Or more accurately, I can hear the Spirit speak. And then for other of us, others of us, it might be that we need to set a time, a specific time, intentionally, to meditate, to pray, and to read scripture. This is often in the morning, or done in the morning, but it can really be any time. At lunch, or at any time that you are present and can be distraction-free, or at least, or distraction-free as possible. What is it that you need to do to be still, to let go? It's said that if you want to make God laugh, you tell him your plans. Or if you make other people laugh also. I I always thought this saying meant that my plans were stupid, that I'm building a house and the electrical and the plumbing is all wrong and God is laughing at me because my house is going to burn down eventually or, or the pipes are, going to, pipes are going to clog and flood. I don't think God is that mean. And what I actually think it means is that our plans are too small. Our plans are too simple. God has bigger and, and better plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans to lead us into God's kingdom. One of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes is one in which he talks about a kid who lives in a slum. And this kid's favorite pastime is making sandcastles, but with mud. And C.S. Lewis says, following the voice of the Spirit, following God, is like as if this kid is offered a all-expense-paid trip, cruise, to all the best places in the world. But the kid has no idea what a cruise is, maybe what a ship is, that there's even anything beyond the city, the slum that he knows. And C.S. Lewis is trying to say that all of us are like that kid, All of us don't understand the goodness of what God is trying to do in our lives, the good places that God is trying to take us. We think the good life is a life without any responsibilities or a life with uh, a house, Uh, family, 2.5 kids and and a white picket fence. Uh, It's a successful career or early retirement. And we think the path is working hard, working on ourselves, or maybe just not working at all. But because all of us are uniquely made in the image of God, and we all have different lives, and we're all marked by sin, according to scripture. We all have tunnel vision. The only way 
that we can achieve the good life, what the, what the Greek philosophers call it, or what Jesus calls the kingdom of God is by the spirit of God. We might not know exactly what the kingdom of God will look like in our lives this side of heaven, this side of the kingdom, but we know that it will be good because the king is good. So let me just end with this encouragement. Let's let go of our oars. Let's let go of our narrow vision and plans for our future and for our lives. And let us be still enough. Let us live lives of stillness so that we can hear the Spirit of God speak to us. So let us raise our sails and surrender to God and let our lives sail to wherever he wants to take us because we know we are headed towards his kingdom. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit. Your spirit that raised you from the dead, that brings us to new life, that comforts us, that speaks to us, that matures us, that leads us. Father God, as our good Father, we pray for more of your spirit because we know that you want to give us more of good things. And so God, give us your spirit that we may be able to see you and follow you well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.